think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like in Argentina, for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 318 of Low Limit Football on this 28th of February, 2021. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, a controversial red card sees Real Madrid past Atalanta in the Champions League. The round of 16 is set for the Europa League. We'll give you the top matchups to look out for, and Inter Milan tighten their grip on the Scudetto after a 3-0 win in the Derby della Madonnina. We're going to discuss all of this and much, much more with our very special guest, Mr. Nima Tavole from SemperInter.com and the Italian Football Podcast, who will be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my, my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How are you, my man? I'm good, man. And we have to also mention a special shout out to two important things in life. Uh, that is, it's the birthday of Benfica in Portugal and to you, Joe. Happy birthday as well. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Uh, you're only as old as you feel and I, I must be 120. But, uh, yeah, I mean, after they, the last after the last year that we've dealt with, I think we've all aged significantly. Yeah, yeah, in the blink of an eye. I can't believe it's the end of February already. Uh, you know, I feel like New Year's Eve was just last night. It's just, uh, it, it's it's insane. But we keep rolling right along. Twenty twenty one. You know, welcome to the welcome to the party. I guess so. Uh, but thank you for that. I appreciate that. Uh, let's, uh, let's jump right into it, right? Cause we got a great show. We got to chat with Nima earlier on and, and always love having Nima on the show. He's, he's so informational. I, he's got so much going on that, uh, uh, it's always great to chat with him. But first, uh, I have the honor of trivia this week. So it's a very easy one. Uh, it's a very simple one. Uh, with the announcement of the round of 16 coming up in the Europa League, we're going to discuss the, the matchups later, but uh, I think everyone would agree the top matchup is AC Milan-Manchester United. Um, and it got me thinking, Have you know are these teams, where are they in terms of how many they've won, how many times they've won this competition? So my question to you, Rob, is can you give me the top five winningest teams in the Europa League? And that goes back to 1972. Um, and, uh, and I'll give you a little hint, two Spanish teams, two Italian teams, and an English team are the top five winningest sides in the Europa League. So if you can give me that answer at the end of the show, we will, uh, we'll have a trivia answer. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. Cool. All right. So let's get into it and let's move back to the other big competition on the European continent. And that is the champions league. We saw our other set of round of 16 matchups, uh, played off this last week. I'll give you the quick rundown as to the scores. Uh, first, Lazio losing at home 4-1 to Bayern Munich. Chelsea winning on the road at Atleti 1-0. Man City road winners 2-1 over Borussia Mönchengladbach. And then Real Madrid in, I had mentioned in the monologue, the the controversial red card beating Atalanta 1-0 in this one. You know, let, let's unpackage this all real quick. First and foremost, the easy one. For, well, actually, first, the only home team to win in the round of 16 so far in the Champions League is Porto over Juventus. After that, all road teams have won the first legs of these uh, matchups. And 
four of the home teams were shut out in this first round as well, uh, going back to RB Leipzig, uh, Atleti, Mönchengladbach, and Atalanta, all four shut out in this first round, uh, conceding road goals as well. Um, the Lazio-Bayern Munich one, very easy. We expected Bayern to win. Really, it was uh, it was a little bit of an uneven competition at that point, but Bayern move on. Uh, I, I think this one's all done and dusted. There's really not much to talk about here, right, Rob? Yeah, I mean, there are weird things in this sport, but it's also more weird to see Bayern Munich lose games this season. Although it's it's been done before, and they have slightly dipped in terms of trying to be as effective as as they used to be. But no, I don't I don't think they they messed this up at least. Yeah, I I don't think so either. This was this was one way uh, one way working, and um, you know just to give you the rundown of the goals: Robert Lewandowski, Musiala, Leroy Sané. And an Acherby own goal. Uh, the, the the credit would go to uh, Correa for a consolation goal for Lazio after the four goals there. But uh, again, like we said, one way one way street there. Uh, Atleti Chelsea. This one's a bit of a surprise, I think, to all of us. Chelsea with a one nil victory in Madrid on this one on a Olivier Giroud uh, basically golasso on this one. Um, this was played in the in a neutral um, arena. I believe this was in Bucharest, if I remember correctly. And uh, you know, going back to, we, we don't have to have that discussion again as to whether we feel this is fair or not to have to play this road match, you know, in a neutral site or anything like that. But um, I think the surprise here is an Atleti side that just didn't uh, didn't show up that day. And you know, we expected Atleti to be probably one of the one of the only teams that could compete with Bayern Munich along with Manchester City uh, going on right now. Um, but losing 60% of the possession, no shots on goal for Atleti in this one. You, you've really got to ask yourself, are they, are they prepared? They're starting to slip in the, in the La Liga race as well. So um, are, did they hit their peak too soon? And are they going to get bounced out of multiple competitions here because of it? Well, that's the fear. I think that's the fear. I think they understand that, you know, they, they really want to go for that Champions League title. And they know that having such an advantage in La Liga, which, you know, hasn't been done in quite some time, I think they don't realize the opportunity that they have in their in their disposal to, to really compete on all levels. Having said that, I, I think it is very difficult from them to actually drop points in this case. I mean, not drop points, but drop an away goal technically when they're the host um but yeah i mean they definitely have to turn it around i mean you would think that you would trust diego simeone and his man management especially in these type of ties the league is is a different uh story because those are different mentalities given to how the league has how the team has to adapt to certain opponents and whatnot but in something like this i think diego simeone really has to turn it around and you know mind you they, they still have was it like three weeks until that game? Yeah, uh, the return leg in in London. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, the return. yeah. So they they have time. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Looking at the schedule, they have four games left, um, counting today as, as at the time of recording. Um, before that game on the 17th, so they they have time to they have time to turn it around, but they have to show it really in these next few games if they really want to do it. Chelsea, I think. They definitely are starting to look like a competitive side under Tuchel. I think Tuchel's experience can definitely help Chelsea in this in this matchup. But I think it's still a coin toss, honestly. I think it was a coin toss since the beginning of the draw when it was announced. And I still feel that way even with the 1-0 advantage for Chelsea. Yeah, I, it, I couldn't agree more. Um, and we, what we always said that as Tuchel got time with this team, he would start to mold and shape them into what he was looking for. And I, and I think this team was fit for someone like Thomas Tuchel. And it's it's starting to show. So we'll we'll see if Chelsea. Um, I don't think they're going to challenge for the EPL title. I think that's all cities at this point. But uh, they could be a tough out uh, with a good coach like Tuchel at the helm to to move through this uh, competition. Let's uh, let, let's move on to the other matchup, uh, the other English matchup, which was Manchester City, Borussia Mönchengladbach. City with a two nil victory in this one. Bernardo Silva and Gabriel Jesus with uh, with the goals in this one. Again, uh, 60% possession, uh, Gladbach only one shot on goal. This is, we kind of expected it to go this way, and, and it pretty much went true to form. Gladbach also on the weekend dropping uh, the result. Uh, they, they were up 2-0 against Leipzig and, and lose a 3-2 match. Uh, really, this team, 
for the most part, has, has kind of checked out here now that Marco Rosa has been announced as the, the Dortmund coach for next year. And and I think that's the way this is going to go. This one's done and dusted as well, just as much as the as the um, Bayern Munich match, don't you think? Yeah, no one is stopping City in any of these competitions, and I would be surprised if they if they do screw up against a Gladbach side that is dipping on form, even though they did get a result um, yesterday against. Well, actually, no, they didn't get a result. No, they they blew their lead against RB Leipzig in the in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I don't see how they're going to have that kind of same mentality to come back against Manchester City. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. Last one, uh, the, the Atalanta-Real Madrid match. And, you know, we're going to get into this one a little deeper with Nima as well. But Real Madrid on a Mendy goal in the 86th minute, winning this one. The Froehler uh, red card at, at the 17th minute really set the tone for this one. Also losing Duvan Zapata to injury in this one as well. Really set the tone for Atalanta. And... You know, this one, I I don't think this one's out of the woods yet. I mean, sure, Real Madrid get that road goal, but I think an 11-man Atalanta, they, they still showed pretty well in this one, holding this all the way to the 86th minute. Um, I, I think that they can come back in this one, moving the second leg to Spain. I, I don't think this is out of the woods because this, like Nemo will say uh, in our interview, this kind of plays a little bit into Atalanta's style and psyche. They're going to attack. They're going to want to score goals. They're going to move forward. Um, do they get Duvan Zapata back in time for that? We'll have to, that remains to be seen, uh, the extent of his injury. But this is going to, you're not going to see a change in style out of Atalanta going into the second leg because they want to attack. They want to play forward. And it's going to be interesting to see if Real Madrid can overcome all the injuries. Uh, many will talk about how they got away with one because Casemiro dove in the second half. Referee called it a dive but didn't give him a yellow card. Could have been a second yellow, could have evened it up 10 men and 10 men. There, there were a lot of things that happened in this one that were a lot of the um, Real Madrid naysayers will give you that, you know, this is their competition. They get the benefit of the doubt, blah, blah, blah. But uh, but this, I think, there's a lot to be determined in this one, Rob. What do you think of this match? Yeah, I think it's still open in the sense that even though Real Madrid tend to be as you would think trustworthy in these competitions because they won it so much. I think this Atalanta side has proven that they're up to contend when they want to be against any team in, in the world. And I think it, it's important for them to get on the get-go for the second leg for them to, to take a result because, you know, I think they know the responsibility now to to get the away goal. And I think it's important for them to, to try to do that, to tie the series, and, and to keep Real Madrid at bay. I mean, I think they missed a really good opportunity of not being able to take advantage with the multiple injuries that the team had. So it's almost as if now they're more obligated to get the results and play even better than they did uh, in the first leg because, you know, they, they if they dream of advancing, they, they got to go on the get-go fast. And Real Madrid, you know, are a team that, can be very coherent and very organized when they have to be. And, and I'd love to have to break that. Yeah, uh, Real Madrid, uh, you know, of course, given the red card, 68% possession in this one. Atalanta with no shots on goal in this one. So it, it, it all remains to be seen for the second leg when they move back to Madrid. So um, let's table our discussion of the Champions League for the moment because we were able to meet up with Nima Tavale earlier and dive into the Champions League a little more, especially with a focus on the Italian teams. Uh, we were able to focus on Inter and what they're doing for the race in the Scudetto and how they did in the Derby as well. So without further ado, the Nima Tavale interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football from SemperInter.com, Mr. Nima Tavale. Nima, welcome back to the show. It's always great to have you here. Uh, I want to open up with the Italian team's performances in Champions League and Europa League over the past two weeks because it has not been quite as good as we had expected. Obviously, Atalanta dropping the 1-0 decision to Real Madrid. I know we can talk about the uh, the questionable penalty. Uh, I'm sorry, the questionable red card. We can talk about Juve losing 2-1 to Porto. Uh, also, Lazio getting destroyed by Bayern Munich, which I think many people ex- uh, expected. But also, you move over to the Europa League. You've got AC Milan drawing Manchester United in the round of 16, which is probably the marquee matchup of the round. 
You've got Roma moving on against Shakhtar Donetsk, which is probably the second best matchup in all of the round of 16. And then you've got Napoli's early exit, which I think raised a few eyebrows, especially on Gennaro Gattuso and his job and his job security at Napoli. What is your opinion so far of the Italian performances in Champions League and Europa League and your opinions on, on moving forward for any of these teams? Um, that's quite a lot to unpack there. Um, I mean, I, I think uh, a lot of it is, um, I think it's a lot of it is down to certain, um, you know, episodes as the Italians say, uh, I, I think there's no surprise that Bayern Munich are better than Lazio. Uh, I don't, I, you know, that doesn't surprise anyone, but, uh, that game was decided on unforced individual errors, uh, by people like Musacchio and, 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 and Patrick and, and these players who are simply not good enough to play at a team that, that is in the Champions League. And this is something that Lazio were supposed to address in the summer, but instead they spent 20 million euros on uh, signing a backup striker called, called Muriki, who's not made anyone happy uh, as a replacement for Caicedo, who ended up staying. I mean, it's that that's more down to bad management, in my opinion, uh, as, as such. But I mean, the fact that Bayern won is not a surprise, and it was pr- pretty expected. Um, as for Juve and, and Atalanta, look, um, I think Juventus, for, with Juve, it's quite clear that in the Champions League, it's a mental block. They they do things they normally don't do. Bentancur is very normally very safe with the ball, and then he does something crazy like that against Porto, that crazy back pass. Um, Atalanta, the, the Atalanta decision is, look, when I first saw it, I didn't think it was a red card. But the more I look at it, and especially the more um, I've seen images and, and stills, I, I think it's a harsh decision, but it's not necessarily the wrong decision. My issue is that there's a lack of consistency in that game by the referee, because if you're going to have that kind of harsh level uh, of, 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 of adjudicating situations, then why isn't Casemiro sent off for a second yellow card? For uh, with a second yellow card when when he clearly dives, like the, the, to me it's a consistency issue. As for um, and also the, the the fact that the VAR is it's quite clear that this is a strategy by uh, UEFA. They don't want to use the VAR in the knockout games as much. Um, I, I think uh, Paolo Condo, the Sky Italia journalist, uh, said said live on air that it's something like only twice in the last two years or, or something like that in in the knockout stages they've used the VAR, which is ridiculous in my opinion. If it's there, use it. I mean, it wouldn't have changed anything, but Lazio should have had a penalty against Bayern. Juve should have had a penalty against against um, against um, Porto. And, you know, th- 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 that's, that's all there is to that. Um, I, I think the Atalanta game... Uh, I think Atalanta did really well. I think in 1-0 defeat doesn't really hurt Atalanta that much because now we we know how Atalanta play. They're a very attacking team. And and they're going to go to Madrid and play their game like they always do. Uh, and they would have done it at... Sorry, excuse me. Um, they would have done it at home as well uh, if it has, wasn't for that red card. So I don't think it really changes that much for Atalanta per se. Um, but you know, I I I think as as for the Europa League, Milan are in a rut. They are in a in a in a, in a dip of form right now, uh, and they barely scraped through against Red Star, a ten men Red Star in both legs. Um, Napoli are in are are in free fall, um, and it's this has been so incredibly d- disappointing season for them generally. So for me, so for so with with, with regards to those two teams, I think it's more down to really awful form. Um, for for Napoli and Milan, but although but but Milan went through um, uh, against a worse side, obviously than than Granada are. But um, no, but I mean, I, I think it's um, it's concerning. I think there's the, there's reason to be concerned uh, that all the Italian teams fail to produce in Europe when it matters the most. Um, it, it looked good in the group stages when they all went through, um, and and you she you couldn't expect more, and and you can't you know except for Roma, everyone else is kind of really not performing up to par, and that's concerning. That is really concerning uh, for Italian football because they need to, you need to you need to showcase yourself at the biggest stage when it matters the most. That's 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 what it, you know that, that that's when you get to show off how good you are. 
and and whether or not you really are you you you, you know you, how how well you stand up to the other leagues and and i think that's the, it's a concerning issue but but i mean let's i'm not going to make a final judgment let's let's wait and see what happens uh, in these return legs i personally think juve are going to go through easily i think atalanta real madrid is is exactly like zinedine zidane said it's 50-50 this tie is far from over um, Lazio are obviously out. It's Bayern Munich, but they only had like 20, 30% chance anyway, at most. So, um, and, 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 we'll, and I, I think, you know, the, the draw wasn't exactly kind to to Roma and, and Milan in the Europa League either. I mean, Manchester United and Shakhtar Donetsk is, that's, that's a tough draw. You know, Nima, that's a really good point that you're saying, because I think, obviously, we remember what Juventus were in this kind of situation last year. Um, with Lyon playing in the round of 16. Obviously, you know, we can't really compare Lyon with Porto in the um, in this stage, especially with two different teams that Juventus are now feeling. But, you know, how confident are you with Juventus, you know, getting this type of result against Porto? Oh, and, you know, is do you still think that there is that kind of fear that they can screw up again at this stage? Oh, absolutely. The, the, fear, the, the fear is real for them, and they absolutely can, because Porto are a very good side. They're very good, or, very well organized. They, what Conceição has done there is he's built, a, he's built a team, a real team, where 11 warriors fight for each other in the shirt and the cause. So it's not going to be a cakewalk for Juve. Uh, and I think the longer it is goalless, the more stressed Juventus will be. Um, but I, but I still think that the quality will show show itself. The difference in quality. I think last game against the, the last game against Porto, I think Pirlo got it wrong tactically and in his formation. And every time he does, I mean, again, this, you know, when you hire Pirlo, when you hire a coach without any experience, you, you're gonna have to expect that he learns on the job. Now, up until this point, every time Pirlo has made a mistake and lost, he's bounced right back. Uh, and gone on a little bit of a win and, 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 and a little bit of a run, and that's um, that, that, that's that. You know, it remains to be seen if if he can do if he can repeat that again. But I, but I'm fairly confident that Juve can go through. But you know, again, Port, Porto are no mugs. They're no walkover. They're no walkovers. No, definitely, and they they shouldn't be underestimated. It can definitely make things difficult in this return leg. I wanted to stick to Juve uh, quickly before I go into my next topic. And, you know, here stateside, we're always expecting of what's going on with our American players abroad, especially in Europe. And I think one player that has impressed and probably has become the best American player this season is Weston McKinney, coming from uh, Schalke on loan, has really been a, a versatile player in being consistent in getting goals at in Serie A, getting goals in the Champions League, performing very well. How have you assessed personally, and how do you think Italian media have assessed McKinney's performance in his first season at Juve? It's been very positive. No one could have uh, expected him to have this much of an impact. I think he suited in really, really well in, into the team, into the formation, into into playing, and, and he's he's doing a good job. I think his attributes, the, the, the tactics that Pirlo used, they utilize the he utilizes they really speak to to the skill sets that McKenney has um and uh i uh, i i'm very surprised i mean i, I didn't i mean obviously when you, when you you even know what they're doing they don't sign players without knowing exactly what you know doing their homework first so i'm not i, I so i'm not surprised in that sense but i didn't expect him to be this good this early i mean i thought maybe he you know this would be one of those you know, slowly come into its seasons and then next season to, to build on that. Uh, like it's been for Kulusevsky, for example, who's, who's, who's you know, there, it's a huge, you know, it's a big step between, you know, when you play for, for Parma or Schalke to come to Juventus, they, they, it's a completely different world, everything around the team, the way you train, um, the mentality, all of that stuff. So it's, it's um, you know, it takes takes some time getting used to, but it seems that Weston McKenney's hit the ground running, and that's really impressive. Absolutely, and I think um, it allows him to become more mature, and especially at a young age, to have that kind of mentality early on playing for a big team like Juventus. It really can benefit him in the long term. I wanted to switch gears into obviously your beloved Inter and talking about what's been going on in the derby. Obviously, getting a huge win on that uh, last weekend against Milan. And knowing that many teams are, as you said, you know, kind of dipping in terms of form, what we see with Milan are dipping in form in the Champions League and in Serie A. Juventus are not exactly what they've been in previous years. You see Roma 
going as well. I mean, you know, do you feel that with Inter being eliminated in the Champions League early has benefited them? Or is it more of the case of the teams like Milan, Juventus, Roma slipping up in order to benefit Inter? Um, I think, um, well, that, that's, I mean, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, I, I do think that Inter are a little bit in the driving seat, but I think the main challengers for that title are, that's still, that's Juventus now. I think Milan, um, the way they're looking right now, I could be wrong, um, but they have to focus on finishing in the top four. That That's what they, that's been the goal the whole time and that's what they have to aim for. Um, I think the game against Roma this weekend is is, is huge uh, for for many reasons because they're going into a really difficult part of the season with a lot of you know this is when the season's decided and they've got game after game after game against big teams and, and difficult opponents so th- this is this is going to get tricky uh, they have to show what they're made of now um, uh, I think Roma Roma are are you know they're they're consistent enough to be in the top four but they don't they're not ready to challenge for. For the Scudetto, for me, it's it's the, it's it's Juve and Inter who are the main contenders, and I and I think anyone who discounts Juventus is is doing, uh, you know, is 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 doing them is doing themselves a a, a massive uh, disservice because Juventus can never be discounted in this league in the Serie. A, if there is a mathematical possibility that Juve can still win it. You you have to take them into consideration, and especially now when I look at the next run of fixtures coming up. You know, it doesn't look too bad for Inter, uh, but it absolutely looks very winnable for for Juve as well. So this is where, you know, the the next month, March, is is when this thing is going to be, I think, decided. Do you think it becomes a a two-team race or do you think a team like Atalanta or even Roma can, uh, can stick their nose in the race here like Lazio did last year? No, I think this is a two-horse race. Uh, At most three, if Milan can turn it around, but it doesn't seem like... The purely high, as I call it, on the Italian football podcast, uh, it seems to have worn off, um, and it seems that um, he is. This this always happens. There's like this magic break at 13 months that we've never seen purely be able to to deliver more than 13 months. Once he gets found out, he doesn't seem to have a plan B. Although he did say that he wanted to 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 change the formation, he was thinking about it, and I think that would be that would that would be Milan saving grace because they've become so predictable, and without Benasser, their midfield is hollow, mm-hmm. um, disjointed, and it's easy for teams to bully them, uh, and and that's this is how it looks like when things fall apart for Pioli. Um, but uh, I I I, th- I think it's a two horse race between Juve and, and Inter for sure. Now I'm glad you brought up Pioli because uh, a lot of I've seen a lot of Napoli fans lately calling. You know, obviously we talked about Gattuso. We mentioned him back at the beginning here and their performance in the Europa League. Um, many of the many of the fans of Napoli are calling for Pioli to come in and replace Gattuso, kind of like the way he did. Uh, doing that at uh, at Milan, what are the what's the potential of Stefano Pioli leaving AC Milan at the end of the year and maybe taking the job at Napoli if they do sack Gattuso? Um, I think that would be insane. Uh, to be honest, what, you you don't want to. I mean, if anything, Napoli want to challenge. Uh, first of all, you can't coach the same team in the same like you can't coach two teams in the same year if you like if you're if you're you know there's a rule in in the Serie A that if you coach one team in that season you have to wait to the following season Mm -hmm. so it would make no sense to go and get Pioli this season or or if you were to be sacked by Milan and swapped like it just makes no sense to me Um, I think what what Napoli need is someone who can take help them take that next step uh, and to 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 establish themselves as a top four team because I look at that squad on paper and I think that is well good enough to be in the top four. They are they have a good they have a very good roster. They they should not be in these tro- these problems. They shouldn't be having these problems. And I think if 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 uh, he misses the top four, then yes, I think it's right to sack Gattuso because he's failed. It's it's this team is good enough to play in the top four. And the reason why it's not working is is he you know at the end of the day he has to take responsibility for that. Um, so, but for me, I, I think if if Napoli are going to go after someone, I mean, if Allegri is interested, you get him. I mean, the same is for Milan as well. Allegri is the guy. Like, if you, if any one of the top teams in the in Italy want to change coach, the the natural replacement is Max Allegri. Whether it's Roma, whether it's Inter, whether it's Milan or Napoli, Allegri Allegri comes in and delivers. Uh, he he has a 
he he has a his ability to to adapt and bring the best out of the squad he has is is fantastic and he's this is this is his strength and I think if that would be that if anything would be good for Napoli. Um, but I, but I, but I don't think so. I mean, having said that, when I look at that squad, I'm thinking, well, either Allegri or actually Spalletti. I think Spalletti could work wonders with that Napoli team. I think it's already everything is in place. He just needs to work his uh, magic, crazy magic touch uh, on that. I think it can be really, really good. I, I think I, I really rate Napoli. I, I think it's really disappointing to see them in the situation they're in. Yeah, you do see sparks out of them from time to time, and. I almost feel like sometimes they're just wasting Insigne at this point because he's just such a talented player that you're almost starting to forget about him given the performances that not Napoli have turned in over the season so far. So um, I, I think a change might not be a bad idea there at Napoli. And, you know, Allegri, it's 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 all a question of if Allegri wants to go. Um, you know, it's surprising that he's been out of the game at this point, quote-unquote, this long. I mean, we're going on our second season without seeing Max Allegri uh, after leaving Juventus. So uh, do you think he's holding out for a different job, maybe something like a Real Madrid, or do you, or do you think he's just kind of on sabbatical? I mean, I think it's quite clear that he was he wanted that PSG job. I think he was waiting in line, and then they just went to Pochettino instead, uh, preferring that approach. Um, I think, obviously, if he were to return to the Serie A, it would have to be a team in, that plays in the Champions League. But um, yeah, I, I think he's ready. I think he's pretty finished with with the Serie A uh, in in one way because he's won it so many times and did such an incredible job at Juventus. Um, I, I think he would like a. We know that he wants to try uh, an uh, an experience abroad. But when you look around, I don't see Real Madrid sacking Zinedine Zidane. Uh, I don't. You know where would that be? Um, you know Barcelona. He, they'd never hire Allegri. Uh, then I look at the Premier League. Where is he going to go? Um, Man United, Arsenal, Ch- Chelsea just hired Tuchel. That which you know Allegri has always been linked with the Chelsea job. So I don't I don't really think there's that many o- openings at the inn that he would have liked. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, a return to the Serie A could actually uh, happen. Not because that's his primary goal or objective it's because i think you know because there's there's no there's no openings anywhere else where he where he could do a good job uh it doesn't seem that you know our, he could probably take over arsenal but it doesn't that that strikes me as a very odd choice given their philosophy and and, and the coaches they've taken so they've had so you know for the past years allegri just doesn't suit that so i don't know we'll see but i do think that we'll see him in the city on uh next season for sure would you add tottenham to the list of, of potential spots for him that's a that's a really good shout um i think he could do a job there for sure um i i absolutely think so i think tottenham would the, the squad would suit him uh absolutely yeah uh, absolutely I, I think so um but but i mean it depends on what happens i mean you know if Mourinho wins a title. I mean, they're they're in the final of the League Cup. They 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 look good in the Europa League. They look really good in the Europa League. I think there's a there's a shot they can win that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a shot. You know, they're in the final of the 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 uh, League Cup. So that for Tottenham, it's about ending title drought and creating a winning cycle. And you know, if if they were were if they were to end up winning two titles, you can't move Mourinho out of that club. Then he's not going anywhere. Of course. Um. So uh. You know. So we'll have to wait and see. So I want to close with a couple quick questions on uh, on Inter before we go. Uh, one thing, obviously, Inter leading the league. We know about Antonio Conte and his not necessarily his reluctance to change um, the team much, but you know, changing styles. I mean, his his three five two really fits this team. But you look up and down the roster. You've got a thirty six year old Handanovic. You've got a thirty one year old Matteo Darmian. A thirty five year old uh, Alexander Kolarov. You've got a thirty three year old Veronokia. You've got. 32-year-old D'Ambrosio, you've got 33-year-old Vidal, 35-year-old Ashley Young. This is a team, as much as they're young with Pinamonte at 21 years old, but he hasn't seen the pitch much. Nicola Barella, who's been absolutely one of the best midfielders in the world right now um, at 24, year old, 24 years old. They do have some youth, but there is some age on here. Um, do you fear that Conte's reluctance to maybe change some of these players out on a regular basis would cause them to maybe falter because of given their age and their ability to, to run the full race 
Um, I think that's a problem going forward next season, uh, for sure. Uh, there is an issue. I mean, Ashley Young has an expiring contract. Alexander Kolar or Vidal, you know, Vidal, all these players, um, they've not exactly been fantastic. Uh, and, and I think there is an issue. I think that we will see. It depends on the ownership uh, as well. I mean, that's a question that needs to be resolved uh, at Inter. And, and these, uh, you know, no one knows who's going to be there in a few months. And, and before anything happens, um, you'll, you'll, that situation has to be resolved. But it's absolutely a problem. Um, one that they've kind of created themselves uh, out of necessity, you know, you could argue, because of the financial situation they were in. They couldn't pay any transfer fees. So they just basically brought in, uh, these older experienced players for free on free transfers, virtually free transfers, but on high wages. So Inter are going to have to cut their wages. And I think Ashley Young, Arturo Vidal, Alexander Kolarov, um, you know, the, these experienced players will will probably will probably be, be, be let go in the summer and be replaced by younger players for sure, because they cost a lot of in terms of wages. Now, I- you know, with uh, with Romelu Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez having the seasons that they're having right now, do you consider them the best striker pair in the world right now? Yeah, they are. They are the the dynamic duo. I mean, they there there aren't that many striker duos out there uh, who who play uh, like they do. But but yeah, for sure, those two are Lula is 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 uh, is without a doubt the best partnership out there. Yeah. And uh and, and my last question for you uh go, looking back, obviously the the last title that Inter are playing for right now is the Serie A title, the Scudetto. And we, we talked about Antonio Conte. Does he have to win the Scudetto to keep his job? See, I'm in the beginning of the season I would have said yes. Mm-hmm. Um but given how this season has has played out, given the incredible pressure that he's been under and the club has been under, with COVID outbreaks and, you know, insecurity about who owns the club and the future of the club and who's the boss. You know, these things can easily derail a, any club and especially Inter who are, who have like, un, who are unstable, like that's their default mode mm. uh, to, to be a little bit unstable and, and, and a little bit, you know, shaky. Uh, but what Marotta and above all Conte has done, uh, you know, you've got, you've had issues with, with payments and, and wages not being paid out on time, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what they've done is truly remarkable. Um, what Conte has done is is uh, is to be able to build a team and get these players to focus entirely on 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 the on, on, on the job at hand whilst trying to shield them from you know from being from from being distracted. Um, that's a very difficult thing. And to do that at Inter, I mean it's difficult. Inter is a difficult club and, and an environment to be in, uh, and he he's probably exhausted. Um, I think, but if he is, if he were if he were to win the Serie A this season, that that's the kind of stuff that club legends are made of. To be able to go through all of this craziness and adversity, and to to win, to put an end to Inter's trophy drought that that's been you know a decade long now, mm-hmm. um, is is truly remark. It would be truly remarkable. Um, I, I don't think that anyone can demand anything from Inter this season because of how it's been. So I don't demand anything from from him, and I, and I and I doubt that anyone would 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 sack him uh, because he didn't win the scudetto. I mean, I I, I seriously doubt that uh, because the situation they're in is is very very uh, special, uh, not in the good way. Uh, it's, it's a really difficult situation they find themselves in, and I don't think anyone can demand that of Inter at all. Uh, in my honest opinion, I think if he if he were to win the Scudetto with this Inter, that would be, you know, that would be his greatest coaching miracle to date. You know, he doesn't have a wing back. He's got, he, you know, he's turned Perisic into finally now Perisic mm-hmm. has accepted to and, and started to deliver in that role. Christian Eriksen was a problem that he he resolved together with Eriksen. I mean, these, these these you know this is this is Antonio Conte at his absolute best when his back is is against the wall and he doesn't have any other options but to work with what he has. Then he's bar none the best coach in the world, um, and 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 he's proving that. It's uh, it's really impressive to see what he's done after after the new year uh, with with this Inter after especially after the Sampdoria game what he's done with this squad and these players and to get them to to buy into it I mean it's one thing you know Perisic is a treble winning Champions League 
winning player. I uh, played the World Cup final. Christian Eriksen is one of the biggest stars in the Premier League. These aren't teenagers. To be able to get these guys to not only accept to playing in a new role, to not only accept to to adapting to his system, but to wholeheartedly hard heartedly embrace it. That's the, the, that means you're you. That's a, the only group the great coaches can get that from from the big players, uh, and that's 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 all Antonio Conte. You've got to give him credit for that. That's absolutely fantastic. Do they win the Do they win the Scudetto? Does Inter win it? Hmm. Let me put it to you this way: um, If Inter go out from that game against Atalanta in a couple of weeks. Uh, or actually next week, next Monday, um, with a seven-point advantage, then yes. Okay. Then yes, Inter win the Scudetto. If Inter, after the Atalanta game, have a seven-point advantage over whoever is in second, seven points or, or more, then yes, they, they, they are winning the Scudetto. They're not throwing this away. Great no stuff. Way. Great stuff, man. But anything less than that, but anything less than that, this thing is going to the wire. Well, then that's, you know, then we're in for another, I'm hoping we're in for another great finish then because I'm hoping you base that team that's within seven points. So, uh, Nima, always great to have you on from SemperInter.com and the Italian football podcast. Uh, you know, one of our great friends. Thank you again for joining us and uh, all the best to you, my friend. And we'll talk again soon. My, my pleasure. You know, I love you guys. Uh, I love what you guys do. And, and always a pleasure to be on. And special thanks again to Nima Tavale for joining us on the show Mr. Rojas, we have the Europa League round of 16 set and some great matchups in this one. Uh, you know, a couple of interesting ones. Ajax, Young Boys, that is going to be a, a pretty good one, especially given what Young Boys did in the uh, in the previous round of 32, knocking off um, Bayer Leverkusen. And they did it quite handily as well. Uh, but the big one, you know. There's a couple other good ones. Villarreal, Dinamo, Kiev, Slava, Prague, uh, Rangers, uh, Dinamo, Zagreb, Tottenham, Hotspur, Granada, Molda. But the big ones, I think, Olympiacos, Arsenal. This is a rematch from last year's uh, Europa League where Olympiacos actually knocked Arsenal out of the competition. We've got Roma, Shakhtar, Donetsk. And, you know, we talked about Shakhtar when they were in that group with Real Madrid, with Inter Milan and uh, and Mönchengladbach. And, and we talked about them as a very difficult side to face, especially when you have to go to the Ukraine to play them. And then the big one, Manchester United, AC Milan. Everyone seems to like to think that this one is the matchup of who will get the most penalties, but uh, we'll have to see. But this is also another underlying story. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic returning to Manchester United for this one. So this is another interesting one. Let's, um, let's start out with, let's really focus on the big one with the United AC Milan. Milan, you know, both teams right now sitting in second place in their respective leagues. United uh, is, is quite a distance a ways back from Manchester City. Like we've said, Manchester City's pretty much run away with that one. Milan currently sit about four points back at the time of this recording from Inter Milan, having lost the derby. Uh, and also AC Milan, a, a team that was leading quite a ways, but then between injuries and, and, and lack of, uh, you know, just lack of depth with AC Milan, they're still in the very deep into their rebuilding project struggled uh, have been struggling as of late and and are taking on united probably at one of the worst times for ac milan if this matchup was happening a month ago month and a half ago i would i would look at this one very differently but you do get a healthy zlatan ibrahimovic in this one it seems like rafael leao is, is starting to turn it around a little bit with them as well hakan chanhoglu is has become a, a little bit more of a catalyst for them in the midfield as well frank kessie you know, there, there's some good things going on at AC Milan and Gigi Donnarumma has been playing well also. Um, this one is interesting for me. What, do you, what are your thoughts on this matchup, uh, especially two giants of European football? Yeah, I think it's two matches that will definitely be one to watch out for in terms of obviously you have two teams that are among the favorites to win this year. I, believe. I mean, obviously you could still make the likes of maybe a Roma, maybe an Arsenal. Um, maybe a Spurs as well. I mean, but I think this is the one where you probably have the best chance of seeing a, a potential winner of the competition. I think these two need to understand that they come into the obligation of wanting to win something to save their season. I think Milan, not saying they're out of the title race itself, but they are making it difficult for them having dropped points and seeing teams like Juventus and Inter rise. United, I, I think their their crosstown rivals look to run away with the with the league title, so it's really more of the case of just trying to see what result that these guys can get in a, in a 
really tight matchup in the Europa League. I, I think it'll be very interesting. I think you obviously have the return of slots and Ibrahimovic back to Manchester United. I think the the case of what these two teams' um, obligations are is that you know they, they want to win something. I mean, they definitely want to win something to to cap off some sort of season in which they kind of feel as if though they're trying to compete on all levels and and I think this is their best chance of doing it so I'm I'm really excited for this match yeah, right now we're looking at an AC Milan squad that is uh, missing Mario Mandzukic. They brought him in, in the winter window, um, but he's only made four appearances so far. And, and, and even when they made that move, I wasn't sure what it would play out as. Ibrahimovic has scored uh, 14 goals in 13 matches for them so far in the Serie A. Uh, Rafael Leao, five goals, five assists. Frank Kessie, seven goals, six assists. So they are spreading it out a little bit. Um, they're getting good play up the wings from Taylor Hernandez as well. When you when you move over to Manchester United, like I said, they are currently sitting uh, quite a distance, 13 points back of Manchester City for the title race. And you look at this squad coming into these matchups. Again, there's, there's another week or two to go. But missing Daniel James, Juan Mata's out, Scott McTominay, Paul Pogba, Donny van de Beek, all out with injuries at the moment. Edson Cavani is also injured. They're getting their goals from Marcus Rashford, nine goals so far in league. And, of course, Bruno Fernandes uh, has been one of the MVPs of the EPL so far this season. He scored 15 goals in 25 matches for them from the midfield. He's, he's taken on all the penalty duties. Um, he's really been a one-man show, and he makes you think about how good Portugal is going to be going into the Euros. And and so this is this is going to be a tough, tough matchup. I mean, I know it's early. Uh, I know we don't have a show next week and they will kick off the round of 16 before we have our next show. So if you wanted to give me a quick pick on this one, do you do you think it's Milan's or you think it's uh, United's? Oh, it's tough. Um, I, I think when you look at teams that are looking consistent and, you know, when they show up, they show up. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to edge United on this one. I, I think you can trust the likes of a Paul Pogba, a Bruno Fernandes, who's becoming one of the best players, not just in England, but in the world. I think they have the potential of wanting to beat that Milan defense. How much can Ibra provide in such a big game like this? I'm not saying that he's not able to do it, but... It's, it, it can be a lot when no one else is trying to step up. You know, Ben Asser is not there as of yet. I'm sure he'll, he'll want to be back for this game, but I think United had the edge, but slightly. I, I would agree with you there as well. Uh, United in their last five are unbeaten, uh, two wins, three draws. Uh, Milan has only lost four matches in league all season, but three of them in their last five games. So I think, like I said, this is a this is an AC Milan team that is on the downslope, um, and I think this is a, a United team that is, at minimum, holding steady and at maximum advancing. And you know, going back to the Europa League ties that they had previously, um, they they dispatched Sociedad pretty uh, pretty handily, uh, if I remember correctly, a four nil aggregate on this one. So, yeah, I think I think ultimately this is going to be United's, but. Like you said, there's that Zlatan factor, and you really can't count out a team that has Zlatan Ibrahimovic on their side because he seems to pull the the magical out of nowhere at the, at the best times. He he's really made for the big stage, and and so if there's any hope for AC Milan, I think that's where the hope begins is is with AC Milan and uh, and Zlatan's foot, and and I think there's I wouldn't write them off, but I would say if I had to pick a team here, I would I would pick United over uh, AC Milan in this one, and and we'll see. I think. Th- I think you could very well see the winner of this tournament come from this match. Uh, I, I do like the way Roma's playing lately, and Spurs. You know they're gonna play, they're gonna go to Zagreb. They're gonna they're gonna have a two leg match with Zagreb. But I think Spurs are also a, a team that are an interesting one. Um, I think they are you know a team that's coached under Mourinho. You, you've got Gareth Bale who's scoring on the weekend. You've got Harry Kane playing well. This is a team that could also you know turn some heads and and maybe and I know. EPL fans will laugh at me for saying that Spurs could win a, a trophy, but Spurs can win a trophy in this one. Uh, I think that there's a there's a serious possibility of that. And then, like we said, with the Roma matchup against Shakhtar, I, don't, I would never count out Shakhtar Donetsk in in any competition because they're just they're they're a tough team to play. So um, that will return to you coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. So with that in mind, let's give you some matches of the week. And really, we're going to give you more of a generalized because we are off next week. We return the weekend of the 14th. So this week, midweek, we have uh, matches in France, Italy, and England midweek matches. We also have Copa Libertadores qualifiers coming up 
this week as well. Next week, we'll see the Europa League and Champions League round of 16s return. Europa League for the first leg, Champions League for the second legs. And when we return back on the weekend of the 14th, we will definitely give you all the results and our reaction to all the matches and who will uh, advance to the quarterfinals in the Champions League. We'll definitely discuss all of that when we return. So, Rob, uh, with all that in mind, I can give you the trivia question again, my friend. Go for it. All right. So, again, it was a simple Europa League question. I got to thinking with that United and AC Milan question or, or matchup that uh, who are the top five winningest teams of the Europa League competition ever? And that goes back to 1972. I told you, I gave you a hint that there are two Spanish teams, two Italian teams, and an English team. And I'll give you a second hint that Man United and AC Milan are not on this list. So, okay. can you give me the top five teams to ever win the Europa League? Well, the first one's the obvious one, and that's going to be Sevilla. Six winners, and they've never lost the competition. If they Sevilla make it to a final, they win it. They are the top <laughs> team, six wins. Um, I'm going to pick Inter as my second yeah. option. Uh, okay, yeah. so so two through five have all won it three times. Inter has won it three times and lost two times. They've won it in 91, 94, and 98, and have lost it in 97 and 2020. Okay. My next choice is going to be Chelsea. Chelsea's not in the top five. They've won it twice. they won it twice. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Parma. No, Parma has won it twice as well, most recently in 1999, but they are only two-time winners. Wow, okay. Ooh. You've, got a, you've got an English, an Italian, and a Spanish side. A Spanish, so another Spanish side. Uh, oh, Real Madrid? No, not Real Madrid. Oh, Real Madrid no. has also only won this twice. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, I got this. Atleti. Atleti, Atleti has won it three times, 2010, okay. 2012, and 2018 most recently. You have an English and an Italian team. Okay. Uh, it's not Arsenal. No, it is not Arsenal. It's not Arsenal. Juve? Juve. Three yeah. wins, one loss. They won it in 77, 90, and 93, and lost it in 1995. You've got one English side to give me. Okay. Um, I feel like this is an obvious... Oh, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Liverpool. Liverpool, three wins, one loss. They won in 73, 76, and 2001, and they lost this title in 2016. So your top five winningest all-time teams in the Europa League. Sevilla tops the list, six wins, no losses. Inter Milan, three wins, two losses. Liverpool, three wins, one loss. Juve, three wins, one loss. And Atleti, also a team that is unbeaten in the final, three wins, no losses. Your top five Europa League winners. So, Excellent, excellent question. Thank you. Without further ado, my friend, now we can hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So, for episode 318 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Nima Tavale for joining us. Again, next week we are off and we will be returning on the weekend of the 14th. So, for episode 318 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. <laughs>